Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the wonderful world of motion. If we can dream it, we can do it. We now have the ability and the responsibility to build new bridges of acceptance and cooperation between us. And now, the show that has the whole town cooking, the Kitchen Cabaret. Here's your hostess, Bonnie Appetit. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this, my friends, is show number 87 for the week of October 5th, 2008. I'll start off this week with a brief trip to the Walt Disney World rumor mill before Tim Foster joins me for another Top 10 segment. This week, we'll look at our Top 10 sounds from Walt Disney World, and we'll also talk a little bit about the upcoming first issue of Celebrations Magazine. The email inbox has really been filling up, so I'll answer a number of your emails with Becky Mankin from Mouse Fan Travel. Topics include everything from what may happen to the Cinderella Castle Suite in 2009, to the best places outside the parks to watch fireworks, when resort discounts may be announced, the Haunted Mansion's 999 Happy Haunts event, and more. As always, please stay tuned to the end of the show for more information and announcements, as well as your voicemails. But for now, just sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. No real big news coming out of Walt Disney World this week, so we're going to move right over to the Walt Disney World rumor mill. I'm going to leave you with just a couple of tidbits, just some food for thought. Not really going to comment much on this, just give you something to think about. First, everybody's talking about Celebration Vacation and what's going to happen in 2009. What I can tell you is something is going to happen both with and in Cinderella Castle. Actually, Cinderella Castle here and Sleeping Beauty Castle over in Disneyland. A lot of talk about what may be happening to the Cinderella Castle Suite. I'll leave that for a question that we answer over in the email section. Also, the Adventurers Club, sadly, is dead, but I believe it's going to rise again like the Phoenix with a different name, a different storyline, and a different time period. May even have a food element, thankfully, attached to it, Stay tuned, because I think we're going to hear more about the Adventurers Club sooner rather than later. Over in Disney's Animal Kingdom, not groundbreaking news here, Petrofries, which currently sells McDonald's French fries, is going to be closed for refurbishment from November 2nd through the 21st or so. That's going to reopen with a new name and a new menu this fall. The new name is set to be Trilobites, according to rumor, although there's no news as to what the new menu items might be. Staying in the parks, I think that over the next year or so, you're going to start to see many, many more characters in the parks. More characters that you've seen before, like Buzz, Stitch, etc., and new characters like Wally, who's been rumored for some time to become a walk-around character. I think you're going to see Wally very, very soon, probably over in Disney's Hollywood Studios. 
Also coming to the parks, you're going to see new street parties as part of also the new promotion coming next year. Over in Walt Disney World, you're going to see one on Main Street. You're also going to see another one probably in Tomorrowland in the area between Space Mountain and the Carousel of Progress. Look for both of these to be very, very interactive with lots of audience participation, lots of characters, and in, and in Tomorrowland, obviously, three words, the Tomorrowland News Network. There's also a rumored new add-on experience that's going to be coming to Walt Disney World, not one that's going to require a ticket like Not-So-Scary Halloween Party or the Christmas Party, but instead it's going to be an additional in-park event like a Food and Wine Festival or Flower and Garden. It's going to be something else that's going to take place during some of the slower months, possibly over in Epcot as well. On a more general note, I think you're also going to see some big additions to product lines sold in the park, more adult merchandise, clothing, jewelry, etc. You're also going to see some additional synergy with other properties and other franchises. A lot more movie tie-ins, I think, are going to be coming to the park soon. So, like I said, not too many specifics there. Just some things to think about. More importantly, things I'd like you to go and talk about over in the forums over at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. You can comment about them in the rumor section or in the radio show forum section. Again, I keep saying I like talking about the rumors just because I think they're fun. I think it's fun to speculate about what may be coming, what maybe we'd like to see coming. I keep saying I am not trying to break some sort of super secret news item. I think it's just fun to hypothesize about what the future might hold in and around the Disney parks. So if you want to comment or if you have a rumor that you want to share, you can call the voicemail 206-202-4WDW. That's 206-202-4939. A few months ago, back on Show 75 in July 13th of 2008, Tim Foster and I took a look at a very unique list of top tens in Walt Disney World, and that was the smells. And when we first talked about the idea, I wondered if not only would people think that we were nuts, but if people would think that we were nuts. But whether they did or not, it was one of the segments that received the most number of reactions and responses from listeners, whether through forum posts or Facebook comments, emails, or voicemails. But this week, Tim's back once again to tackle another unique top 10 list. So let me first welcome back the hardest working man in the magazine business, my buddy Tim Foster from GuideToTheMagic.com. I don't think you're nuts. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> you're one of very few, I think, at this point. So, But Tim, my, my intro about the smells was for a very specific reason, because this week... Thanks to subject, uh, suggestions from a number of listeners, including uh, Natalie and Chris from Long Island, New York. We're going to look at the top 10 sounds of Walt Disney World. And I got to tell you, I love this one because I've been saying for years that part of the magic of Walt Disney World isn't necessarily what you see, but what you hear as well. Yeah, this was actually this was hard, and it was funny because I started this and I had a hard time coming up with a bunch. But then the floodgates opened, and I had a, a ton of them. And I, I will say we have one little caveat on this list: is that it does not include music, because um, music is is a 
top, we could do many, many top tens on music. So we're, we're actually focusing on the other sounds you hear at Walt Disney World, which there are surprisingly a lot as I went through this list. So. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? We, it's funny because we don't really talk about our lists beforehand, which I think actually makes these more fun. But I'm happy you mentioned the music because I was going to say that there were a couple of things that I did and didn't do on this list. And first was not include music because I think the top 10 attraction theme songs is just such a total no-brainer for the future. Um, and I think right. it would have muddled my answers. I also didn't include any spoken words either, as I didn't want it to turn into, you know, the top 10 one-liners from attractions, although I think that's a pretty good idea as well. Now, I will, there are a few spoken words on my list, but not to the degree of what you said, so we'll definitely do that on another top 10 down the road, but... Um, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, so my list of top 10 sounds is just that. It sounds you might hear in the background sounds that remind you of Walt Disney World or bring you back to the parks or even some sounds that you might not even notice. And believe it or not, Tim, none of my sounds, I don't think, revolve around food. So this might be a, a really I, unique <laughs> list for me. I don't think we're going to get past number five before food enters into this conversation. You're probably right. Looking at my list now, I, I I, just, I, yeah, by number four, I'm, I'm, I'm all over it. So. <laughs> So, all right, do you, would you like me to go first, or are you just so exhausted from laying out Celebrations Magazine that... Yeah, I'm going to let you get started with this while I kick my feet up and listen in. And it would be so cool if we had sound clips for this, but you'll have to paint a picture for everybody. Well, we'll see how long the, the night goes with editing and, and how creative I get. So. Okay, okay. All right, and we'll see which ones I have, too. All right, the first one that I put is... One of the first things that you hear, even before you get into the parks, and that's the sound of the monorail doors opening and closing. And that there's that very distinct sound, that, that pneumatic sound. Now, when I thought about this, I actually also thought of the old Mark IV monorails, when they used to come by and close the doors by hand. And that was something that, for some reason, always stuck with me as a kid. But work with me here, Tim, listeners. There, there is that sound of the doors opening and closing, and that, that always kind of gives me the little, you know, I'm here feeling yeah you have the one and then the two and then you go forward oh that was good when did you get a sound clip of that that was nice <laughs> lou mangello human soundboard <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was actually funny i i had um i had that down that the whole monorail experience and actually some of this i might save for your uh top one liners top 10 which i think is good but i was going to talk about please stand clear of the doors and por favor etc etc um, Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. And I think we'll save a big speech of that for another time. But I know for the monorail, one of the things I I like to do when I first get to Disney is take the monorail and go all the way around, and because it has so many sounds and narrations and and, and phrases that just stick with you. That going through and hearing the doors, hearing the "Please stand clear of the doors." hearing the, the Grand Floridian description and so forth, just nothing else puts me right at Walt Disney World than taking a loop around the whole resort area and listening to the sounds of the monorail as, as I go around. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail, our highway in the sky to the Magic Kingdom. For those of you standing, please hold on to the handrails throughout our journey and stay clear of the doors. For the comfort of others, no smoking, please. Thank you. We are circling the Disney-created Seven Seas Lagoon. Rising from the Magic Kingdom on the opposite shore is Cinderella Castle. 
You can also see Disney's Mountain Range, Big Thunder Mountain and Splash Mountain in Frontierland, and Space Mountain in Tomorrowland. Coming up on the lagoon side is Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa. This picturesque Victorian-themed resort provides a taste of turn-of-the-century Florida. So, uh, see, that's me piggybacking on your first one. So this is my first one now. That I'm going to get this to. is how you're going to justify the 30 <laughs> of them that are on your list. Yeah, actually, I got up to like 16 or 17. <laughs> but um, uh, mine is another, to me, it was a very obvious one. It's another sound you hear, um, or it's a sound that you hear not only within the Magic Kingdom, but as you're approaching the Magic Kingdom, or even if you're at the Grand Floridian walking around outside. And that's the Howling Wolf from the Haunted Mansion. And to me, that, when I hear that, that's what really puts me there. So Haunted Mansion is one of my favorite attractions ever since I was a wee lad. And uh, I just love it because you can hear it from everywhere, it seems. And especially as you get closer to the Haunted Mansion and it gets dark and, and so on, the wolf sound takes or the wolf howling takes on that much more of a creepiness factor and, and i wanted to mention the haunted mansion too because it and there's a couple of attractions i'm going to talk about that are just treasure troves of sounds from start to finish and uh, we could spend a whole show talking about the haunted mansion and we probably will since halloween's coming up hint hint mm. um but all kinds of little sounds the, the, the ravens crowing the, the clock ticking um, the audio enhancements of the stretching room, uh, which we talked about uh, in, a, in another show, and, and even the heartbeat that you hear. The, the, all of those sounds uh, just stick with you, and it's, it's beyond the music, it's beyond the narration. It just it's chills up my spine. Yeah, on sort of like my honorable mention list, I had the caw-caw of the raven. Yeah, because that's what I meant. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I actually could have put the whole Haunted Mansion, now that you mention it, mm -hmm. as a single honorable mention, because there are so many awesome sounds that come from there, so... Excellent. Bravo. How was that? <laughs> That's as good as it gets. I mean, you know, I, was, I wanted to hear that, and I wanted to hear you do your, your por favor montenganse in your best... No, I, I, every time I mangle that so bad when I get to the middle, and I just... My Spanish is not good. Yeah, so. mine neither, so... <laughs> I what? do por favor, etc. Yeah, then, <laughs> you know the well, rest. Yeah, you got so. the rest. So. Uh, I'm going to move over to another classic attraction as well. And again, one that I tried to isolate a single sound from as opposed to, well, this one, this one, and this one. But over in Pirates of the Caribbean, after the waterfall drop and you round the corner and you see the Wicked Wench, the, the booming sounds of the pirate cannons as you pass the fort and enter the town... Um, have always sort of resonated with me, and it's one of the effects that I love. And ever since, it's been even more so, plus the cannons are just deeper, and it's just a, a more richer sound with the with the water effects as well. So the uh, the pirate cannon sounds in Pirates of the Caribbean is what I'm going to go with next. Hide your colors, you bloomin' cockroaches! I like that. I like in the Pirates of the Caribbean, the... Uh... Oh, I can't whistle. But you know what I'm doing with the dog. And that's funny. Yeah, the other sound I like in the Pirates, um, again, piggybacking on your last one, is um, as you're going through the queue area and you're about to board and you can hear, you're kind of peeking around a corner that you can't quite see around. There's a cave and you hear clanking of the shelves and, or of shovels and, and things going on in the background, which is really cool too. Um, my official next one. Let's see. i got this long list for my Um... I'm going to talk about... Let's talk about the Wilderness Lodge. Um, 
that's probably the resort we've, I've been at the most and, and one of my favorites, certainly my wife's favorite resort. And it is, is also full of lots of wonderful sounds to experience, not the least of which is in music, but that's for another show. Um, but I'm talking other things like uh, hearing the geyser as it goes off. Um, and one of, the, one of the coolest things, I think, is when you're returning from the Magic Kingdom at night on the boat and you get off the boat at the dock and you walk through the pathway leading back to the lodge and for a little brief section there it, it, it's it, it's nighttime it's dark and you hear all the sounds of the night you hear crickets chirping and leaves rustling and, and, and it's just those brief few moments of, no, of uh, nighttime noise as you walk through the wilderness lodge it really puts you you were in the magic kingdom now you're off in the pacific northwest and it, it really sets the mood and, and the best part is, well, I'm sure it's piped in at some point, but, but there's a lot of natural noises going on. So you're really hearing real nature, which is, which is really cool. Yeah, and kudos to you for, for venturing outside the parks. I was about to, but I was already on 12 on my list, and I was like, okay, now <laughs> let me start thinking outside the parks, and, and that might have to be a, a whole separate list for me. But um, I'm going to stay in the Magic Kingdom, um, as it is one of my favorites. And again, work with me here, people. The sounds of the Wedway People Mover, that's the Tomorrowland Transit Authority to, to you kids, sort of click-clacking over the magnetic pucks that sort of, you know, make it go along its way, that thump-thump, thump-thump, especially as when, when you first start leaving the, um, the platform and going along your way. Tomorrowland Transit Authority Metroliner non-stop now departing Rocket Tower Plaza Station for a round-trip Super Skyway Tour. Welcome aboard, TTA travelers. We hope you enjoy Tomorrowland Transit Authority's Super Skyway. I love the People Mover. I think it's such a relaxing ride. I love riding it multiple times throughout the day and at night. And there's something about that that sound, um, again, that I guess it's just sort of a, a reassuring, comforting, nostalgic sound that I've enjoyed for, you know, 35 some odd years. So, uh, again, that... I have no other way to describe it, and Tim, you can feel free to, to do the sound effects yourself, but that thump-thump, that click-clacking of the, the people mover going over the pucks. I think you did it well. I, I agree wholeheartedly with that one. The, the TTA is also one of my favorites, and and parenthetically, I would add on that, the, the obvious sound effects. Again, these are one-liners, which again we might talk about the, the paging Mr. Morrow and, and, and those sort of things. But the other sound effects that, that pops up here and there as the announcements are going off is, is the not how to describe it the, the bell or the chime that goes off as you're approaching the stations and, and and that to me is just as nostalgic and puts me in that futuristic retro mood of, of Tomorrowland which I love so much. Um, now me going on to my next, you know what? Let's stay in the Magic Kingdom because I'll head over to uh, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad and. This is, I'm not, I will confess, I'm not the biggest roller coaster person in the world. I'm, I'm not the one that's going to go on the triple looper 500 feet up in the air and, and all that kind of stuff. Because What, what Magic Kingdom are you in with the triple looper? I, well, <laughs> uh, Goofy's Barnstormer. Yeah. Goofy's Barnstormer is about uh, your, your, your level of comfort. For, I, I, not on a full stomach, but, you know, I can, I can handle it. My point being, <laughs> now I, I love Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. It, it's obviously one of the older attractions there, and you know, and unlike the 
the sleek and, and ultra fast modern day roller coasters which parenthetically I'm thankful there aren't a ton of at Disney or else I wouldn't be able to ride a lot of things but did you just learn gonna... the word parenthetically because that's twice yeah, in one I, minute did I say it five times today already <laughs> is that your SAT word for the week well I got my word of the day and it's October 4 parenthetically when you, you know so um, as an aside how about if I say it that way? Um, I, I like that, that the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad is its an older style roller coaster. You have, you have the clanks of the chains as you go up the hill. And I love that too, especially in the, the cave-in scene, when uh, you have the click-clank of the chains going on and it's really loud in there because it's echoing uh, and, and bouncing off the walls. And same in the, the first climb as you go through the, the cave with the bats and the stalagmites and stalactites. That was the word of the day yesterday, by the way. So I used that one. Um, uh, the other thing that's cool about the Big Thunder Mountain sound-wise is, especially at night, as you're going around towards the back of the, uh, of the ride and, you, and you're cresting up the hills and all of a sudden it's quiet and then you rush down again and, and you have a, you know, a big cacophony of <laughs> sounds and clanks and, and, and words going on. And I think it's just cool because it's a really throwback to the old style roller coasters and it's a sound. You don't hear much riding new ones and I, I appreciate it. I like it. I'm just still reeling from parenthetically and cacophony. Being cacophony? Used. Did you like that one? <laughs> I, I snuck ahead. Now, now all the emails can come in. He used that word wrong. You know, it doesn't mean that. It means this. And he pronounced it. So. Oh, what? <laughs> Top ten were uh, whatever. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna adjust my list a little bit. I'm gonna stay in Frontierland. I will pull myself away from the popcorn cart and the turkey leg cart. Uh, wait, what number are we on? I, this is my number four. I don't know where four. you are. This is like hit 13 food. for you. Yeah, yeah, I know. I told you I'd hit it by four because I knew that I'd be waiting for you at this point by the um, by the popcorn cart. But Excellent. one of the sounds I really love, and although it's not something I do on every trip, are the sounds and the sound effects from the rifles and whatnot over at the Frontierland Shooting Arcade. I think it just adds such an additional level of realism as you're walking through Frontierland, because even if you're just sort of walking down the center of the street, you can hear that in the distance as you enter the land, and you can hear it a little bit farther down as well. And if you do get a chance to go over and play, I mean, it's, it's well worth the 50 cents or a dollar or whatever it is at this point. I know maybe I am still living in 1971, <laughs> but whatever. It's just some, it's a cool little out-of-the-way diversion, and I just love some of the sound effects that you get from that. Again, maybe it's the, in the nostalgic in me coming out. Those are laser rifles, aren't they? They're real. Well, they used to be real guns, but yeah, they, they're some sort of... <laughs> I was amazing how the laser rifles go, which is funny. Um... My next one is. Uh, did you call I'm them? Gonna... La- did you call them laser rifles? Yeah. What is it? What is this? Star Trek? Star Wars? <laughs> yes, your photon laser cannon in front of you. Oh land. my goodness! Um, I'm going to take a general approach to the next one on my list, and, and I'm just going to talk about water for a second. Um, the, the sound of water crops up a lot as you're going around Walt Disney World, and. Just every time I hear it, I think the thing to me is it's just it's so relaxing no matter where we are. And there's many examples of this, and I won't spend a lot of a time on each one. But, for example, when you're riding the launch boats, just close your eyes. You hear the splashing of the waves as, you, as your boat travels across the lake. Um, the pathway to Epcot, which I've uh, from Epcot to the 
um, Epcot Resorts as you go underneath the bridge, which I've talked about many times, as you all probably figured out, that's one of my favorite places to be. But as you walk by, you also can hear the lapping of the waves against the bank, uh, and as the boats go by, uh, even in World Showcase in Japan, as you walk through the gardens, you hear the the uh, not only trickle of the water, but the the, the bamboo thunking of the water hammer, which uh, is the in case you don't know, it's a little thing in the garden that fills with water and bops up and down and makes a little bamboo clunking noise, which is very serene and peaceful. Uh, you have the waterfall in the Norway Pavilion, the fountains in Epcot, um, any boat ride like Small World and Pirates just the splashing as you go on. There's just something about that splashing and being on the water that relaxes you anywhere you are when you hear it, and it's, it's one of my cherished sounds of Walt Disney. Well, I am going to jump to the opposite end of the spectrum. You're going from your soothing, relaxing sounds. Relaxing, the yeah. going uh, hyper. No, not me. I'm, I'm probably still so pumped from my recent trip and the Everest Challenge that I'm going to go with the loud, ferocious, oh-so-scary-to-Tim-Foster growl and yell of the Yeti on Expedition Everest. Um, the Yeti is awesome. It's an incredible attraction at night. It's arguably the best one on property. And that sound that you hear from the Yeti multiple times, first maybe as in the distance, maybe from behind you, and then as you're going past the Yeti as he, well, if he was working properly, would be swinging at you in the cavern. Um, just it enhances the attraction so much more. And uh, one of the things I really love. Not working too well last time, even. Still in B mode. Still, unfortunately, ah, his arm is extended, awful. and the, the, and I think to the guest that maybe has never ridden before, might not realize it, but the animatronic portion of the Yeti is not working. His arm is out, is extended. The cavern is dark, and there's a strobe light flashing over him to give you the sense that there is some movement. And it's still scary, and his eyes light up, but it's not quite the same as seeing that sweeping arm kind of go over you, especially if you're in the back. I love riding the back of that attraction, but mm -hmm. let's move on. Well, I, I'm going to be a little nostalgic with my next one. This is uh, this is one of those uh, gone but not forgotten attractions for me, and this is the Living Seas. And one of the things I loved about that attraction uh, before it changed, and I do add, as an aside, I love it now, um, but the one thing I liked probably the most in the old The Living Seas was the film you saw in the beginning. And the, the part that sticks with me even today is the part where the, the oceans are filling and you hear the narration, it rain, rain, rain. And, and you hear the rain and the pitter-patter. And it starts with one or two little drops on the rock and then the deluge or deluge, however you pronounce that properly, starts. And just that sound of still sticks with me to this day and, and even after the movie as you went down the hydrolators um, the little chug chugs in the I don't know how to describe it the bubbles bubbling up that the sounds that you heard in there and uh, I promised this person I wouldn't tell I'm not going to identify him but I do know people who actually thought they were going down I just want to throw that out there and no you weren't going down Lou I knew you were thinking you did but you didn't and uh, and even today the the waves splashing out front is still a, a sound I enjoy. Of course, now you've got to hear my, my, mine with the seagulls over top of it, which is okay. But but that's one of mine. Of course, it's not those film's not there anymore, but it's still something I really liked and miss dearly. I like it. I, I like that one, and I like how you tie the two water elements together because water is such an important part of so much that you see throughout the parks in Walt Disney World. I've talked about this before. 
And it's not just fountains and things like that, uh, just just how important it is in, in attractions and in ambiance and whatnot. But I am going to um, I'm going to stay in the parks, although I'm going to divide myself between two. Uh, this is a very simple, very straightforward one. Doesn't need a lot of explanation. But whether you are spending your evening in Epcot or whether you're spending your evening in the Magic Kingdom, the sound of the exploding fireworks during wishes or illuminations. Um, you can see fireworks else, elsewhere. You can see fireworks at home on July 4th. But there's nothing like the sound of those exploding fireworks in Walt Disney World. And especially during the finales of each or both of those mm-hmm. with the music in the background and the people and staring at the castle. or star- There's just something special uh, about that. Yeah, I love that. And actually, Illuminations was one of mine, too, so I'll talk about that next. <clears throat> not not so much for the fireworks, although I agree with you wholeheart- wholeheartedly that, that those are very cool to listen to, not just to see. But what I like about Illuminations sound-wise is the, the time before Illuminations, as you're trying to find your spot, trying to settle down, and they start playing the announcements that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, in just ten minutes, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and that I just think it's really cool. It gets it gets you kind of excited. It gets me. I have to look over to the American Adventure, make sure what's the clock say? Is my watch right? Am I in sync with Disney time? And make sure everything is right. Um, but my favorite moment comes right before Illumination starts, and and you hear the speech. We've all we've gathered around the fire this evening, et cetera. Right at the end, and I hope this comes across. Over my little microphone here, you hear the, and the torches all go out, and and that to me is the moment. And I, what can I say about it? It's one of my most magical moments at Epcot. We've gathered here tonight around the fire, as people of all lands have gathered for thousands and thousands of years before us, to share the light and to share a story. An amazing story, as old as time itself, but still being written. Reflections of Earth. I'm with you. I'm, yes. I'm with you completely. Uh, but again... Could, could I, you hear the when I did that? I did. I got it. And okay. I, and I, right. <laughs> I got a little choked up, too. Oh, okay. But <clears throat> oddly enough, I'm going to, you know, again, you're talking about these serene, singular moments that just mean so much. <laughs> I'm going completely opposite, and I'm going to talk about screaming. And I mean the screams of excitement and the screams of laughter that you hear from people as you walk by Splash Mountain or Expedition Everest, that scream as people are coming down the mountain that you can hear far down into Asia or as you're walking by the Tower of Terror. Um, It's not, you know, Disney World isn't about necessarily being a thrill park and the exciting roller coasters and stuff. But there's that thrill that you get, that excited laughter and that excited scream, not of fear, well, maybe in your case, Tim, mostly not of fear, (laughs) but just of pure enjoyment and pure excitement. Um, It's one of those defining things, and you can't help but sort of be drawn to some of those attractions when you hear it in the the distance. Yeah, there's one I was going to throw in there, too, and that's on, it's more, I like to say it's a happy kind of a scream. Um, it's on uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. Now, if you hadn't, if you haven't written Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, and who out there hasn't? But if you haven't, you might want to turn this down a little bit, turn the other way, stop listening for a second. But the moment when the mice run into the audience, um, I know it's coming, but it, it's so hilarious to hear 
the screams and it's even more hilarious because it it starts in the front and then it goes to the back and you can tell the people who haven't that hasn't happened to quite yet don't know what's going on and all of a sudden they experience and and you hear the shrieks and the yells and it's it's scary but hilarious and it's one of the the funniest moments that 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 i have in the movie and it's good it's one place you can go and you count on at this moment they're gonna scream and you know it so um i know you don't scream um my next one is going to be i'm going to talk about what i what i'm going to call the breeze and I, I mentioned this in a, in a past show. I think it was actually Top Ten Smells. I sort of mentioned this. Um, but there are a few attractions where it, it's, it's a barely noticeable sound effect, but it's one of a, here I am being relaxing and serene again, a gentle breeze wafting over you. And the one I mentioned in uh, our Top Ten Smells segment was the one you hear in PhilharMagic as you head up into the clouds with Aladdin and Ariel and you hear a come come over you which is barely perceptible and it, it very subliminal actually took me a while to figure out that's what I was hearing and I wasn't imagining it um, but you hear that kind of thing in a few other places too uh, the Haunted Mansion which I talked about of course you hear the, the wind blowing through the, the branches and so forth um, in uh, France is probably my other favorite one in, in Pressions de France the film uh, there's a sequence where you're skiing and you're watching other people ski and, and all of a sudden you, you fly off the mountain getting into the next scene and you just hear a as you go out and what I think is more important it's not so much the sound of the breeze it's the sound of nothing that follows it for, for a few brief seconds and to me that just hangs you up in there and puts you in the sky and, and makes me very relaxed now Lou you can make us very excitable again by taking us to no, I'm, you know, leading you into, I'm leading you into something, and you're probably going to talk about something really serene. Now, absolutely. So. But really what's, what's <laughs> impressing me most about your list as I sit back is not really what's on the list itself. It's the use of sound effects, the use of words like cacophony, the SAT, really educating the audience. <laughs> now we've got Impressions de France. I mean, it was really a nice touch. I, I, you're definitely bringing your A game. Hey, I took, I took two years of French. That's pretty good. <laughs> All right, I, I am actually going to go a little bit more serene, and, and I'm going to, my last three, I'm going to kind of go through quickly, as quickly as I can, but these for me are at the top of my list. These are the ones that actually have meaning for me. Um, and the first one is the sound, again, I'm back to Main Street again, and the Magic Kingdom, of the Walt Disney World Railroad sort of chugging into the station, and the sound of the bell as it approaches the station, and as I'm walking down that monorail ramp and I see it and I hear it in the distance coming in with the bell ringing and the steam and the, the chugging, it does. It gives me chills and that's what puts the smile on my face. And then if I'm on Main Street and I hear that in the distance and I couple that with the sound of the horse's hooves on the pavement, it's just, it's such a spectacular sound and a moment for me. Uh, it, it's really something that I, I enjoy and you talk about that sound that makes you feel like you're, you, you're home again. That's it. That's it for me right there, on a, right at the entrance to Main Street. Yeah, that that was the first one I put on my list. I, and I was sure you had it, too. And uh, the, the thing I like about the train whistle, too, like the wolf at the Honda Mansions, that you can hear it from everywhere. You can hear it not just in the Magic Kingdom, but as you said, as you're approaching from the monorail, even across the lake, you can hear it. And uh, and I, I'm with you. That that's probably the one sound that defines the Magic Kingdom the most for me. 
Um, for my next one, I'm getting down. I wasn't really saving my best for last year, so you're going to have to bear with me. Um, let's see. I, well, I'm going to go over to Spaceship Earth. Um, and again, to me, like the Haunted Mansion, this is a, a start-to-finish collection of memorable sounds uh, and, and sights, of course, but since we're just talking about sounds this time, that's what we'll deal with. And music, but that's a whole other show, so we won't talk about that. Um, but to me, Spaceship Earth, it starts even when you're walking in, when you're entering the boarding area, and they have the continually playing announcement, like, please take small children by the hand, or and of course everyone looks at me and goes alright Tim grab somebody's hand which is <laughs> gets funnier every time I hear it um, but hearing that is very cool I will say I, I do love the new spaceship Earth obviously but I, I do I do miss the Jeremy Irons narration very much um, and hearing him uh, just talk everything uh, was come on give me your best you got it you got to give right, us your on, best Jeremy on, Irons um <clears throat> Now I got to think of one. Wait a minute. Uh, let's like, see. Like a grand and miraculous spaceship. Like a grand and miraculous spaceship. That sounded like uh, <laughs> Walter Matthau, I think. Or <laughs> <laughs> that was really horrible. Uh, <laughs> like a grand and miraculous spaceship, our planet has sailed through the universe of time. And for a brief moment, we have been among its many passengers. I lost a bet on that to my wife, by the way. That's a story for another time. Um, but <laughs> okay. Um, so we- <laughs> yeah, well, there's one, there, but the, there's one more thing. The, the one that really sticks with me. And actually, my daughter mentioned this as one of her favorite things, too. Was as you approach the top of Spaceship Earth and you, and you see the, on this, our Spaceship Earth. And you, and you see the planet Earth up on top in the planetarium dome there. Um, it's when you turn around and you hear the attention space travelers, your vehicle is turning for your descent to Earth, or, or whatever the exact quote is. You can all write in and tell me what it is now. But, um, but that, too, is something that just, it just kind of stuck with me. And my daughter mentioned this, and it's funny, and I'm curious to see how many people did the same thing. My daughter said, no, whenever I rode that and I heard that, I always counted to see how many I could hear before I stopped hearing it anymore. As, as we got down to the next section. And my wife and me said, I did the same thing. And I realized I did the same thing, too. So I'm just curious how many people had that same experience where you hear and you're listening. Can I still hear? Can I still hear? Can I still hear? And you finally can't as you make your, made your final descent down to the rest of the ride, which had the most beautiful piece of music I've ever heard in my life. Another story, and we'll save that for another time, but... What yeah, I'm really curious about. So <laughs> what I'm really curious about is based on that on that brilliant Jeremy Irons. What's your Dame Judy Dench sound like? No, don't, don't. And miraculous speech. Like a grand and miraculous spaceship, our planet has sailed through the universe of time. But where are we going? I just saw James Bond the other day, and all I could think of was uh, Rome burning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, I'm going to, uh, for my second to last, and I'm trying to go as quickly as I can, I promise, my second to last one is, again, like you said, Tim, it's one of those things that you can hear, for the most part, almost throughout the entire Magic Kingdom. It's one of those reassuring, comforting, 
wonderful. I, I am so totally where I need to be. My happy play sound is the sound of the steam whistle from the Liberty Bell Riverboat. And again, you don't have to be on the riverboat. You don't have to be even in Liberty Square in order to hear it. It, it sort of echoes past the rivers of America and past Liberty Square and even partially into Fantasyland. And it's, you know, Walt talked about the mountains being weenies and these big things being weenies that attract people to different things. That's one of the things that attracts me and brings me over to there. And, and again, Overlooked Attraction, another segment for another day, Liberty Liberty Squirrel Riverboat, but the Liberty Bell's um, steam whistle is definitely one of those sounds for me. Very nice. Now, taking loose hint to speed it up, Tim, a little bit, I'm going <laughs> to... Uh... My, I guess this is my next to the last one. Um, this is a very subtle one, a very simple one. Uh, but actually, my wife pointed out is something she liked a lot, and I, it occurred to me. I said, I enjoy that too. And it's on Maelstrom in the Norway Pavilion, and it's it's very simple. It's just when you're done the ride and you're and you disembark your boat and you're and you're waiting to go in to see the movie, which I highly recommend. Don't walk through it. It's a great movie. Um, but if you have to wait there for any length of time. Just listen. There's you hear gulls and and wave, there's and waves crashing. There's there's just very subtle um, sound effects and you feel like you're you know really in a Norwegian village. And said very simple, but um, something my wife liked, and I realized that that's pretty cool. I like that one too. And your frame of reference for knowing what no a, a Norwegian village sounds like is. Other than my Discovery daughter, Channel. <laughs> one of my daughter's best friends, lives in Norway, and she makes recordings, and she sends them. To Don't be so angry. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to give you uh, my last, and this was I, I saved what for me was my best for last, and uh, I will unapologetically tell you that it's the ambient sounds from the parks, and what I mean by that is. Whether you're walking down Main Street, whether you're walking down Frontierland, whether you're walking through the studios or Animal Kingdom, the air is just filled with the sound of children laughing and people talking and that, that element and that air of excitement that people have and enthusiasm in the voices of, of both the adults and the kids. And again, like, you know, you've got that grandparent that's just thrilled that their five-year-old is pulling them to go run to Fantasyland so they could ride Dumbo together. I know it sounds overly sentimental, and I know it's very cheesy, and many people, probably Tim included, are rolling their eyes. But for me, it's true, and it's why I... It's why I find that the it's such an important element for me. So, like, for example, like why I put the ambient sounds in my audio guides is because that sense of being there is so important. That sense of those background sounds that all mix together... Um, is really what I think makes this place um, so special to me and so special to other people. So very nice. We could not be sentimental. I'm I sorry. know. Wait, hold on. Okay, I'm better now. I was waiting for you to say, and the sounds of Tim screaming on the barnstormer. No, no. Far be it for me to mock <laughs> your fear of, of children's attractions. So. Excellent. Thank you. Um, now, my last one uh, is. Uh, Again, this is a uh, simple one, but something I always adored, uh, especially our, in our early um, trips to Disney World. One of the resorts we used to stay at more early on than we do now, but is a contemporary resort. And um, 
It's actually one of my wife's favorite resorts from when she was little, so we did try and stay there as often as we could. And uh, it's going through a lot of changes now, and I like some changes, don't like some other changes. That's a story for another time, of course. Um, but I-, I will say, back in the day when it was still, you know, George Jetson future retro futuristic kind of look about it, one of the coolest things I always felt was um, coupled with that was, was riding in the elevator hitting your button and uh, hearing the well we must be on the sixth floor or whoever it was who was that I, supposed to be that was Minnie Mouse now <laughs> come on <laughs> now that's uh, well we're on the seventh floor how'd you like that that was Dumbo, by the way. So I, I thought it was Red Buttons or Red Skelton, <laughs> but go ahead. But anyway, you know the drill. But just just hearing that, it's silly, it's sappy, but it, it was just one of those things. Wow, we're at Disney. This is so cool. And it was just, it, it, it's one of those things where it's one of those little Disney touches that you, you might not even think of doing if, if you were building a resort yourself. But it, it's just an example of all those little things they do to make it such a magical place and, and make it so magical to be there it's uh, it'll always stick with me mostly because for me it's nostalgic and i remember from a lot of early trips we went on our family that's one of my weepy sappy means a lot to me but you know what that's the thing and that's why this i think is very much like the smells that people have those smells that they associate with childhood memories or their first trip with their husband or wife or their first trip with with Mm -hmm. children they're probably going to have sounds as well and believe me tim and i i know had many, many more on our sort of honorable mentions list. And I'm sure people out there are going, oh, God, how did you forget, you know, such and such? How did you forget this sound or that sound? And I ple- I encourage you and invite you to please submit your own and share your own. I'd love for you guys, call into the voicemail. I, I will play these on future shows if you want. Call into the voicemail, 206 202 Call in. You can say them, you can sing them, you can play them, you can human beatbox them for all I care. I'd love to know what some of your favorite sounds are from the parks or sounds that mean something to you. And again, you could say, Lou, my God, how did you forget so-and-so? And believe me, we, we didn't forget a lot, but time, you know, it, it, we only have so much time to do it. So um, I'm very curious to see what others are. And if you don't want to call into the voicemail, you can email me. You can go post on the forums. We'll start a thread over there. Your sort of top 10 favorite sounds or your favorite sounds from the park. Um, but part of the reasons why, Tim, we wanted to, I can't even say cut this segment short as we're about 39 minutes in, <laughs> is because we have a bonus segment for the listeners this week. And we don't have a top 10, but we've got a top five. We've got the top five reasons why Celebrations Magazine has been delayed. <laughs> it's now, listen, well, it, <laughs> it's not well, really a top five. Yeah, it's not a top five, and I don't have five reasons. I probably have 50 reasons, but we do know, obviously, it's October. This issue, the first issue is September slash October. Thanks for the pressure, Tim. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we sort of flew right through September, and... I know a lot of you guys who've subscribed, you've been very, very patient, and we really appreciate that. And just know that, especially because this is our first issue, we really wanted to make it just right, and we really wanted to plus it, and we really wanted to lay it out right. And Tim has just done, I've seen some of the the mock-ups of it, has done such a brilliant job, and I'm not saying it because you're here, but we wanted to put those finishing (laughs) touches on it 
So we didn't just rush it out just so we would make that, that September deadline. Now, the good news is I do, for everyone who has subscribed and you've been patiently, patiently waiting, I do have really, really good news. And that is we are about to go to press. It is pretty much done. Yay. So now what I'm telling everybody, uh, the printer and the post office, notwithstanding, <laughs> right. and we're depending on them, but uh, you should be seeing the first issue in your hands in a couple of weeks, three weeks, somewhere in there. So that's the good news. It's, it's pretty much done. It's out. It's finished. And we're getting right back and working on issue number two, which we're hoping will be even better than the first issue. I was going to say, please don't commit to a time when it's going to be That ready. issue will be out by Halloween. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm the, kidding, everybody. The top so. five bad jokes from Tim in this episode. Number one, it'll be out by Halloween. <laughs> two, Dame Judy Dench. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, but... Um, no, as you can hopefully tell, we, we are very, very, very excited about this. We've been excited for a while, and now that there's that light at the end of the tunnel, and we're about to go to press, and, and I promise you, pro- folks, I have seen it. There, there is really a magazine coming in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we both really hope that you enjoy it, that it was worth the wait, um, and that you guys are going to be as happy with it as we are. And even if you if you have not subscribed yet, if you do subscribe now, you can still take advantage of the pre-publication offer. Tim has been gracious enough to allow the 30% discount to continue on. It's $24.99 for six issues. Uh, you can go to celebrationspress.com. I'll put a link in the show notes again this week where you guys can still subscribe. Um, and like I said, Tim, the, the first issue should be out in the next couple of weeks. Please help spread the word. Let others know if you're on other communities. Let them know the magazine is coming people can still subscribe and uh, they will be getting issue one as well right now if i could part the pun sounds good how's that what was the pun because we just did the top 10 sound oh all right i'll add that to your top five jokes (laughs) 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 oh thank god you're good at that art stuff because the comedy (laughs) kid because i love of course anyway tim this is always fun again I gotta let you go because get that magazine out to the printer. For more about Tim and all Tim's stuff, he's got a free newsletter, his Guide to the Magic for Kids book, as well as his Lost Journals, the Autograph book, all kinds of good stuff. You can head over to guidetothemagic.com. Tim, of course, will be back for more top tens and more fun and festivities and more top five SAT words that Tim picked up in the coming week. So, and Tim more horrific jokes and impressions. Absolutely. Thanks as always, buddy. <laughs> Thanks. Acting crazy, dross is gold, and weeds are a bouquet. That's the way on Topsy Turvy Day. It's time to open up the inbox once again and answer some of your listener email and feedback. I want to say thanks to everybody that's written in. If I have not answered your email personally via email, 
I promise I will get to it on the show in due course. Um, and despite some shows that sometimes border on epic lengths, um, sometimes, believe it or not, I don't, don't laugh. I don't. I just don't have time <laughs> to get to as many as I'd like to on the air. Um, but enough of the intros and the wasting of the time. I want to jump right in so we can get to as many as possible on this week's show. I once again pulled out a number of emails from the mailbag and wanted to invite back Becky Mankin from Mouse Fan Travel to join me in the virtual studio, although we are 3,000 miles away in answering them. So, Becky, fresh off of your whirlwind tour, opening up for Miley Cyrus and Hannah Montana. <laughs> Becky, this is my life, Mankin. Welcome. Uh, thanks, Lou. What a great introduction. It's great to be back. I worked on that for weeks, just so you know. <laughs> so, listen, pull up a virtual seat on the virtual couch here in the virtual studio. Get comfy. Let's dive right in and uh, let's go with the first email. And it says, hey, Lou, my name is Lisa Ernst or Lisa Ann on the forums. I just have a question concerning the age of resort check-in at Walt Disney World. I'm planning a trip to Walt Disney World for May of 2009 and I'll be 19 at the time. My friend and I are going together and she's going to be 19 as well. Our parents are both vacation club owners and have agreed to give us half a week's worth of points each. Talk about trust. Do you know if there will be any problems with us checking in because of our age? I just want to know before we get down there and then can't check in. Thanks. Lisa, thank you. Becky, I actually get this question a lot um, from a lot of people, especially who are going down maybe on spring break, things like that, who maybe are 18. Is there a resort check-in age, a minimum age? Actually, when you're 18 or over, you're an elite, you're a legal adult. So actually, you're going to have no problem checking in as long as the reservation's in your name and you have photo identification. You shouldn't have any issue. Of course, there's also the method of payment if you're checking in. But of course, if you're using points, uh, that'll be taken care of for you. But I don't think you're going to have any problem at all. Sweet. You might not be able to drive there, Lisa, but at least right. you, can, you got Magical Express so you can get there. So you might not be able to rent a car, but you can check yeah. in. So, um, And I think I think that is part of the, the concern is that a lot of people uh, realize that renting a car, they need to be 25 years old to do so. So that's where the, part of the concern comes in. But if you're 18 or over, you can certainly check into a resort. 18-year-olds around the world are rejoicing like, yes, I'm going <laughs> to Disney World. So, all right. The next question says, Lou... And I, I get this one a lot, too, in the last week. Now that Disney has announced the What Are You Celebrating campaign for 09, do you know what the plans are for the Cinderella suite in the castle? Will they continue to give it away every night, or will they cha charge for a chance to stay there, or maybe do away with it altogether? I will guarantee you it's not the last. Thank <laughs> you. Love the podcast, John. John, I... Becky, wow. I, I will tell you, this is a great question. We've been thinking about this for months and months, even before they announced this. I've actually asked people from Disney during events, um, and of course they told me absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> I, I think something is coming. That's just me. I can feel it. I've got the vibe. Becky, you may know more than I. Well, you know, I wish I did, but I do hear a lot of rumors and a lot of speculation that's being uh, talked about. Obviously, they put a lot of money and a lot of care into creating the uh, the castle suite, so I don't think that they're going to be tearing it down anytime soon. But I honestly don't, and you know, you can yell at me later if I'm wrong, but I honestly don't think they're going to turn it into something you pay for either. Um, a lot of the rumors that I get, I'm going to say it's a rumor, it's a rumor, it's a rumor, but I keep hearing that they're going to keep including it in some sort of giveaway, like maybe even having some sort of charity tie so that's kind of 
what I keep hearing, but you never know. I'm sure we'll be hearing more about it as soon as they start up with the whole um, What We Celebrate campaign that, that gets going in January. So maybe a little bit before that or right after that starts, we should get some more information. But at this point, it's all rumor. I would love for them to keep giving it away because I'm still <sighs> holding out hope that I will finally win A Night in the Castle. <laughs> I would love that. I know. I, I don't think that uh, – I, I certainly don't have the budget to, to uh, take on a, a night in there if, if they put it up for sale. So I hope they never do that. I think the giveaway is a, a brilliant um, a way of, of thinking the fans, and I, I just hope it keeps going as well. I know. And we've all heard the rumors of celebrities trying to throw exorbitant amounts of money for the ability to stay in the castle and Disney refusing. And mm-hmm. I wonder what – and this may be something for the listeners to go maybe to the forums or call in a voicemail. If they were to rent it out, what would you be willing to, to pay to stay in the castle? And, wow. what if, and what if you couldn't just stay one night? What if you had to stay a minimum of three nights, four nights, whatever it was? So you don't have people kind of bouncing in and out. And oh, that would be such an interesting question. I, I don't know what it would be. I, I don't know what it would be. I would... I would try and find a way to do it, but... (laughs) (laughs) How many people does it hold again? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking. So, yeah, interesting as to what people might be willing to pay because... But I think being awarded it and winning it makes it so much more special. It's not as to, wow, now who can afford this true one-of-a-kind suite? It's who's going to be lucky enough to win it? Who's going to still have that magical moment during the day? Absolutely, and they can be magical for anybody who walks through the gates. That That's what's so important to me about it. So I, I hope they continue it as well. I do as well. So, all right, next question says, Lou, love the audio guides to Walt Disney World. I listened for the first time on my way home from Magic Meets. I've listened to each of them a couple of times since, and now that I'm finished with the first two, I really want more. I can just imagine how much time it takes takes you with all the detail that goes into these. You probably can't, but patience is a virtue, and I don't have it in abundance. Do you have any idea when the next audio guides will be coming out? Tomorrow? No. Next week? Probably (laughs) not. Thank you for all you do. I actually see the podcast every Sunday. That's from Kim Barron, who's Soren Kim on the forums. Kim, thank you for the kind words about the audio guide. And and again, this, uh, Becky, is a question I get a lot. That's why I wanted to answer it on the air. Um, I am in the process of working on and researching and writing the next audio guide. Uh, I don't have, I can't even speculate as a, to a release date yet, but definitely stay tuned to the show. Uh, it, it is going to be sooner rather than later, although I promise you it will not be next week. <laughs> 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 My heart can't take it, I promise you. So uh, we will move over to question four. It said, Hey Lou, what are the best places to watch the fireworks at the Magic Kingdom from outside the park? We're going to be arriving on Friday, December 5th, 2008, in the late afternoon. We just want to see the fireworks show. Do they still show the water pageant around the Seven Seas Lagoon? And if they do, where's the best place to watch that? Thank you. That comes from Eric Golden in Arlington, Virginia. All right, so, uh, Becky. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I have a feeling that we'll be cozying up uh, on the same place to watch fireworks. Most, <laughs> most likely. And, and Eric is a guy after my own heart. I'm, I'm a former pyrotech, so every time I see fireworks, I've got to pull over the car, stop. <laughs> Wherever I am, I have to watch them. The, there's a few places that I enjoy the most when you're outside the park, and the first one is the Polynesian Beach. You can 
definitely see um, the, the, the fireworks going on for Wishes over at Magic Kingdom. And, of course, you can also see the, the pageant as well. Um, a couple of other locations. A lot of people don't use this one as much as they used to, which is up on the Contemporary on the fourth floor. Those doors that kind of go past the gift shop out on the terrace. That's a nice place. Uh, contemporary. I also like to try to sneak in one of those dining reses at the California Grill so oh, I can see. Now you're speaking go. my language. Just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the one thing I really like about that is you get the best of both worlds because they also pipe in the music up there. Mm-hmm. So you get the narrative and the music along with the, the visual, which is a great opportunity. And the last of the three that I kind of gravitate to is over at the Grand Floridian over at Sago Key Point. It's K Key, however you want to say it. Um, it's kind of between the marina and the guest building that's over on the on the point there. Sometimes the area is used for private parties, so it may not be available. But that's if you're staying at the Grand Floridian, that's a nice place to watch as well. What about if you're lucky enough to get a window spot by Narcusi's? And you're, <laughs> you're kind of off to the side. It's a little bit of a funky angle, but it's Narcusi's, and it's I know I believe they pipe in the music there as well, don't they? I believe they do too. Don't quote me, but I, I do believe they they do. And uh, obviously, you can also pick up your drink and go out and walk out onto the onto the deck there as well, and and watch the fireworks if you do have an obstructed view. Right, and they still do show the electrical water pageant, which so yes. many people don't even realize still is going on and, and is a sight to see. And as soon as you hear that music, you know you're in Disney. Yeah, <laughs> I absolutely love hearing that music. Yep. And also too, if you are over by Wilderness Lodge, you can watch there as well. Doesn't I think the electric water pageant goes by Wilderness Lodge as well? Oh, good question. I want to say yes because it does come from that area, but I don't know of a specific viewing location. Yeah, I think on most nights it it's over by the lodge around nine thirty or so. Then it goes to Fort Wilderness, back towards the Contemporary, and then um, over by the Magic Kingdom. And I obviously say that someplace like the dock, like the dock over by Fort Wilderness, where you catch the boats over to the Magic Kingdom would probably be a good spot um, unless maybe you're lucky enough to have a water view room um, if you're staying at the lodge but yeah and if you can incorporate food into watching the pageant <laughs> again it's all gravy at that point so <laughs> exactly matter where you're watching it from so you, you start and you you go down and you watch the the water parade and then you can go to california grill and watch the fireworks and you got the best of all worlds and food or you grab you go to captain cook's you grab a dole whip Take it out to the, well, no, you go to dinner first at the California Grill, then you go over to Polynesian, Captain Cook's, watch on the beach in a hammock, (laughs) and then by then you're hungry again, so you can go go back up to Kona for a snack, so. Perfect. There you go. Your itinerary is laid out for you, and Eric, listen, if you want company, I'm your man. I I am definitely your man, so, all right. Next email says, Dear Lou, I'm a big fan of the podcast, really appreciate your efforts to make the show so consistently entertaining and informative. Thank you, Mom. I'm hoping that you or the rest of your listeners will be able to help provide some information that will help my family save a few dollars on our next trip to Walt Disney World. My wife and I are putting together our first trip back to the world in a few years and will be spending about a week in there late October, early November. This is our favorite time of year to visit the parks as we feel provides the ideal combination of smaller crowds, great weather, and special events, especially Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party and my personal favorite, the Food and Wine (laughs) Festival. (laughs) So, okay, my question is this, before I get sidetracked talking about food and wine again. When we made the trip in the past, we were able to get some great seasonal discounts at our favorite place to stay, the club level at Wilderness Lodge. However, it's been three years since our last Disney vacation. We don't know if these type of discounts are still offered on a semi-regular basis. 
If so, is there a specific time at which these specials are typically announced? So if we go ahead and we book our reservations now to ensure a room and a discount is announced at a later date, what are the chances that we'll be able to adjust our booking to take advantage of the lower rates? We realize this is far from an exact science, but any information on how Disney has handled seasonal discounts in recent years would be very much appreciated. Thanks for all your help and for all the work you do to produce such a great podcast. And that comes from Tim in Tennessee. Wow. <laughs> that, that There's so much information um, re- regarding specials. Obviously, Disney does have some things that they do, um, they do repeat every once in a while, like the seasonal discounts, because, of course, the lower seasons, they do want to try to attract as many people as they can. Um, this year, they did release some of the specials for October, November time period and in in that fall time period. They did release those in August, and they just released one recently that was for the room onlys. But... Um, some of the tips about making sure that you can grab these specials when they come along, uh, some of the things to keep in mind is even when the specials are released, they may not apply for club level accommodations or deluxe results. Some of the deluxe resorts, um, <clears throat> excuse me, they tend to run them for the places that aren't full. And the club level has definitely been one of the most popular uh, places to, to stay in, in the last couple of years. As a matter of fact, a, a lot of great information has been going out about them. So what we tend to advise clients to do is it's best to book when you know you're going. Even if a code hasn't been released, even if the season of promotion hasn't come out. If you know in January that you're probably going to travel in October, book it. That way, you can um, w- you can apply the code, or if you're working with a really good Disney Travel Specialist agent, um, they'll apply it for you when they see the code come out. So that's going to be your best way of assuring that you get the accommodations that you want, and at no risk, really, because you can obviously um, cancel before final payment. But if a, a code does come out that can be applied to your booking, then you also have that, that um, security of some price protection there. So... Hopefully that kind of covers it. All right. Let me give you a chance to shamelessly plug here. So, (laughs) for example, if I book, and I'm just thinking out loud, if I book, I'm sure I'm going to be going. Is this something that if I'm with a travel agent or let's just say mouse fan travel, Mm -hmm. if I book, is this something that I've got to be on top of, watch for the code and say, okay, I need you to do it? Or is this something that you guys would do automatically and then say, hey, Lou, just so you know, I just saved you X amount of dollars on your trip? Absolutely. And... Honestly, different travel agencies are different. Some of them handle it proactively. Some of them do not. So at my agency, at Mouse Fan Travel, we do proactively apply codes the moment that they're released. So when we um, hear of a code that's come out, all of our agents and our team members get together with the files of the people who are traveling during that time period. They apply the code where it can be applied. And then we get the fun of making that phone call and saying, hey, we just applied free dining or, hey, we just got a, a code that saved you $200 which I think we actually that's part of the reason why we do what we do is because we really enjoy those types of phone calls Becky well here's another question I'm just again thinking out loud when these kind of codes are announced um, does Disney only allot a certain block of them so for example you know if they have code ABC that saves X amount of dollars will they eventually could they like run out so if 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 an agency or if you don't take advantage of that code during a certain time Somebody can try and get it later on. Disney will say, no, we've sold out that block of rooms using that code. Absolutely. And that is one of the reasons why you want to be so fast and proactive when these codes are released. Because there might be, um, well, I should 
backtrack a little bit, revenue management at Disney will look at how many rooms that they will allocate for specific dates under this code. So on day one, if there are only, say, 10 rooms available to allocate towards the code, they can be gone very quickly day one. So when you see the code, you want to apply it really fast. And I, I think that is one of the biggest tips I can give folks is to um, partner with a, a good travel professional that is a Disney specialist that gets these codes in hand and have that conversation with them and say, hey, will you be proactive? Will How do you get the information? When you get the information, will you proactively apply the code so I can have those savings or have the best chance of grabbing it? So, And you can also work in, in partner with your travel professional. So both of you are calling if you see the code, if it's something that's really popular, say like free dining when that comes out. Okay. And if somebody does choose to book on their own and these codes come out, they can call Disney themselves and still take advantage of it? Absolutely. There have been times where um, I, I have had reports where you've had to call a couple of times to get someone to apply to a, a previous booking. But also keep in mind that there is fine print with every single offer that Disney puts out. So um, a, a travel professional is going to know all, all those ins and outs from reading it. But also for you, if you book it direct, make sure you look at the new offer and um, for example, there's one that just came out uh, for the October-November time period that is only valid most days on thir- Sundays through Thursdays. So you wouldn't be able to apply it over the weekend. So you just have to really pay attention to the fine print. Okay. Because I know um, Susie, one of your agents who's on the mm-hmm. forums, a lot of times when these codes come out, I know she goes and she posts them there. And I just want to make sure people yes. know that they can, even if they're not booking through you, they can still take advantage of them on their Absolutely. own. Absolutely. Absolutely. The more the merrier at Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Becky, he actually had another part of his question, and maybe you can help out because I am woefully um, unable to answer this. And he says, Lou, on a completely different subject, it's likely that I'll be traveling to Hong Kong on business later this year, and I'm hoping that I'll be able to add an extra day to my trip to visit Hong Kong Disneyland. Tim, you better. I'm curious about (laughs) finding the best way to travel from Kowloon to and from Lantau Island, where the park is located, and figuring out how much time I should allocate to making the trip. I'm hoping that some of your listeners who have had experience with making this trip will be willing to share their experience and recommendations. Becky, can you help him? You know, we're really lucky here. First of all, Tim is lucky for being able to go to Hong Kong. That would be an incredible experience. But I have a couple of team members, a couple of agents on my team who um, have actually visited Hong Kong Disneyland. And they advise there's a couple of ways to get there. The easiest way uh, they advised is via the MTR rail system. I believe it's about... a. 30-minute trip from the airport station, so just check out the MTR rail system and you should be able to get there pretty easily. Um, More information about that can actually be found on the hongkongdisneyland.com site, so it's hongkongdisneyland.com. If you click the transportation tab, you'll see all of the transportation information. Uh, A second option would be to take a taxi as well, but one of of my agents advised that if you do take a taxi, make make sure to negotiate the price up front before you get into the cab. Apparently, (laughs) that is uh, one of the the big tips that they they give the, the visitors over there before they go, but the easiest way is the MTR rail system. Wow, I am impressed. I am impressed. Look <laughs> at you pulling that one out, the, the Kowloon to Lantau Island. It's, it's Disney. <laughs> you rock. You rock. Thank you. And there was no food in that question. God, uh, amazing. <laughs> Let's move on and, and pray, for, pray for some food in the future. All right. Next question says, hey, Lou, love the show, blah, blah, blah. That's what he wrote, not me. I'm starting to plan a trip to the world in mid to late January 09. It's going to be my wife, me, 
then to be three and a half year old daughter and my in-laws. Wow, you're a brave man. We're going to be staying at the Fort Wilderness <laughs> Campground, two preferred hookup sites. And my question is this. We're going to be at Walt Disney World for eight days. And I was wondering kind of what's the best way to get our park hopper tickets. And please address this question sooner rather than later, since we need to book reservations very soon. We're right around the 180 day mark right now. Thanks so much for your dude for the Disney community. And that's from Mark, also from Jersey, Sparta. Mark, thank you for the question. And my first sort of gut reaction answer to this is whether you're going to book with a travel agent or whether you're going to book through Disney, uh, you know, you may just want to get your tickets at that point. And Becky, correct me if I'm wrong, especially because they're going to be staying over at the campgrounds. That sort of adds another, not a wrench, not a bad wrench, but it adds another element to consider when you're when you're looking for tickets. Exactly, because a lot of people stay at the campgrounds and they will will take in their um, their motorhome or, or take in facilities to be able to cook. So many people aren't looking for dining, for example. If you are looking for dining and you're just using the campgrounds because th- that's how you like to vacation, then you may be considering the dining plan. And if you're considering the dining plan, then you would want to look at your tickets within the Magic Your Way package because packaging those together will provide different savings. So that does add a, a level of complexity. And I have to just say, as a quick aside, I have so always wanted to stay at the campgrounds. Like, really trying to rough it when I go, okay, rough it being like getting a motorhome that's got the little porta potty inside and the whole nine yards. <laughs> but I just think it would be so cool to take your family, probably not in-laws, and stay over at the campgrounds. <laughs> oh, and they have so many great things to do there for families with the um, the sing-alongs and the, the campfires and the s'mores roasting and all the other things that they do over there. It's, it's a vacation in itself. Yeah, and especially if you go through the holidays, they've got like the sleigh rides and they've and, got all... And, and what I love is how... People decorate their campgrounds. I mean, some people yeah. stay there for, you know, like months at a time, and they've got all kinds of Santa ornaments on the front lawn, and they really kind of make it up like it's their home. Oh, absolutely. And if you've never, if you've got some time and you're, you're out, like, looking at the, at the Christmas decorations, and if you've never gone out back in that campground area, just get on the bus. <laughs> go go look at what they do over in the in the cabins and all the, the decorations that people put out. It really is very cool. Yeah, and like I said, there's the sl- there's all the different sleigh rides throughout the year. You should make a special trip out to the campground. If anything else, for the trails and buffeteria. Thank you, I was <laughs> able to work in food. Now I can move along. <laughs> One of the best, if not the very best, deals on property. Dollar for dollar, pound for pound, f- food that you get for every dollar that you spend. So, anyway. it, it, It's definitely worth trying to figure out how to get back there. It's, that's an adventure in itself. Yeah. Um, but, but once you're there, it is worth every minute. It, it really is a, a fun place to be. Absolutely. Go explore. That is the mantra. Go explore. So, all right. Next question says, Lou, love the show. Have you heard any rumors about another Haunted Mansion 999 Happy Haunts event? I think it happened in 2002, 2003, and 2004 in October. Thanks. That comes from Rochelle Stillwater. In Oklahoma, and a couple other people, Brian Hettinger yeah. and a few others. This, I have to just, <laughs> quick editorial, <laughs> such a regret of mine. Number one, not doing the college program. Number two, not doing one of the 999 Happy Haunts events. You're right. They took place in October from mm-hmm. 2002 to 2004. You, it sounds like you're on the same page. I am so on the same page. I, I, I saw it advertised in each of those years, and I went, this is going to be a year that I go do that, because the Haunted Mansion is one of my two very favorite rides at, at Disney. And 
I, I really wanted to do it. I thought, well, I'll do it next year because I'm there about the same time and I'm planning to go to, to Food and Wine and that would be great. And they didn't do it. And obviously, I'm regretting that moment <laughs> of not going because that would have been a fabulous event. And unfortunately, um, as far as we've been told, there are no plans to go forward again with um, one of the 99 Happy Haunts events. They have pretty much decided not to do any private events in the Magic Kingdom and, unless you pretty much buy out the entire park at this point. But um, they're at Magic Kingdom and even at Disneyland Park, they're, they're not running it. And it's very sad because I think that, that I would love to see that come back to life. I know. I, Literally. <laughs> yeah. I, I was so bummed because the first year... They did it almost like a, a trial version. It was very different from what they did in later years. It was about $120 a person. They had a buffet. They had a sort of happy haunt ball. Um, Jason Sorrell was there. He kind of gave a preview of his um, book from the, uh, the Haunted Mansion, From the Magic Kingdom to the Movies. There was the Headless Horseman in Liberty Square. Uh, obviously, one of the big reasons for these events was merchandise. And you're like, okay, pins, pins. Beyond the pins... So much cool stuff. There were these beautiful resin sculptures. It was one of the caretaker and the dog of Mickey and uh, Goofy in a doom buggy uh, with, with one of the ghosts. I mean, shirts, jackets, artwork, absolutely beautiful. And in 2003, they made it a, a little bit more of like a generic event, but they also added tiers. So you could go for one tier that was, okay, this, this is why I didn't do it. $2,250 per person that they limited to 25 guests. But think about this dining inside the haunted mansion. And you also got, I, yeah, that, I know. I know. I, I would have saved for that. I, I would have done that in a heartbeat if I had the money to do it. I know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're just rubbing it in now, aren't you? <laughs> I, I, well, I'm saying it because I, I so want this to come back because the more you hear about it, the more people can be like, God, I wish they would do something like this again. They did do something with pirates. They did yeah. a Pirates of the Caribbean thing and I know that they had a meal, but it wasn't a lot. It wasn't the same kind of thing like this with, with the dining and with the, the hotels. And there was other tiers too. There was also another level called the Gus level. Um, instead of staying at the Grand Floridian, now you stayed at Coronado Springs. You had a haunted dining experience that wasn't the same. Again, awesome kind of merchandise. There was a third level that was about $100 too really was almost worth going for the merchandise and they did the same thing in 2004 again the big event was was over $2,200 but it was very very limited it was only about 25 people there were seminars Jason Sorrell was there Harriet Burns was there uh, all kinds of cool stuff in Liberty Square I, I so not that I had $2,200 to plunk that well double that <laughs> because there was no way my wife would not have wanted to come there was, I didn't have five G's plus to spend on an event, but just again the merchandise alone, and I was able to actually get some. Yes, eBay was my friend. <laughs> uh, was spectacular, and they do a lot of the stuff, and I know they have in the past in Disneyland. They do some of these special events, but nothing like the Happy Haunts uh, Ball, the Happy Haunts parties. Um, and based on what you said, Becky, it's unfortunate if they don't do something like this again. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I do watch for that one because it, it, it really is on my to-do list. So the moment I see it, I, I'm going to, I'll be signing up. I'll figure out a way. <laughs> yeah, I, I will be, some, again, it's all, I'm doing it for you, the listener. That's why I would convince my <laughs> wife I need to plunk down $2,500 to go to dinner at the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> 
All right. And I was able to incorporate food, which is good. Next question says, Lou, I'm Bernie from Columbia, Maryland. You do an amazing job with the podcast. Thanks, Bernie. I just started listening this year, but have enjoyed them so much that I've gone back and listened to your old ones. Forgive me, Bernie, for some of those early podcasts. I went back and listened to my first one and how anybody listened past that is beyond me. But anyway, my wife and I love the various table service restaurants. Oh, Bernie, I love you already. Both inside the parks and in the resorts. For one day on our trip, we're not sure what our plans are yet. Can we make two ADRs for dinner on the same day? One inside a park and one at a resort. Or will Disney frown on that and cancel both reservations, etc.? Keep up the great work. Thanks, Bernie. Bernie, you know, Disney recently, let me start off by saying this. Disney recently switched, and we talked about this on the show, to a new reservation system recently. And part of the system, what they're going to do is going to start when they take your reservations, take your name, take your phone number, also find out what resort you're staying at, specifically to prevent people from doing this, from making overlapping reservations. And yes, if you're staying off property, if you give different phone numbers, sure, you can book one at, you know, World Showcase somewhere, one at Kona Cafe, and they really won't automatically cancel that on you. That being said, I highly, highly, highly frown, and I'm sure Disney does as well, on doing this. And simply, for at the very, very minimum, as a courtesy to other guests. We all know how difficult it is, especially now and especially during di- times of free dining, how difficult it is to get a reservation, especially during the peak dinner times. My suggestion would be, you might not know where you're going to be, but if you can, try and narrow it down. Pick that one place that you really, really want to go to. Get that reservation if you can. If you're going to go somewhere else, make the other reservation. But please, cancel the first one first so that you, so that, that person wouldn't be frustrated, maybe like you were, that you weren't able to get it. Oh, I, I totally agree with you, Lou. Thank you for, for saying it. Because it, while it, it is helpful, while it, while it is you know somewhat tempting to make those two so you have something waiting on either side, it, it really could spoil the magic for somebody else that, that's there looking for somewhere to eat. So um, what you said is, is so correct. Please refrain yourself. <laughs> Pick one, book that, and then if you do, uh, make sure to cancel the other so it opens it up for the magic for somebody else. And, and I look... I- you know, I know it's hard because how do you know six months out where you're going to be, what you're going to feel like eating, what the rest of your group's going to want? You know, do you want to be in Canada in six months or do you want to be in the Polynesia? You don't know. And I understand right. the frustration. So, but if you get a really, really good reservation and don't want to cancel it, give me a call. I'd be happy to pick <laughs> that up for you. Again, just. Pay it forward, say, share the magic with somebody else. Absolutely, <laughs> especially if, if you end up with one from La Cellier that you don't want, let us know because I'm, I'm sure that there's somebody else out there who wants it badly. Yeah. <laughs> if you lock in California Grill during Wishes or yep. Cinderella's Royal Table for breakfast, then maybe you want to give somebody else the, the option of taking that one. So Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next email says, hey, Lou, can you recommend a reliable van service for a party of six adults, four children under the age of five, and a 10-month infant during the second week of December? Thanks in advance. That's Anna from New Hope. Second week December sounds like around Mouse Fest time. I think Becky mm-hmm. would be happy to schlep you guys around pretty much anywhere <laughs> you'd like to go. But if you can't get in touch with her, uh, yeah. I, I don't really specifically endorse or recommend any one service over the others. I can tell you who I personally have used. Um, I've used Quicksilver Transportation. 
in the past many, many times over the years. Um, Gregory and his staff have been wonderful. I've been very, very happy with their service, very happy with their prices. Something else, too, I know that they do and a lot of the other services do as well, is they'll give you, to a grocery stop. So especially, and I, I thought about the, the 10-month infant and the kids under five. If you're flying in, you need to get diapers, formula, bottles, all that stuff. You don't feel like lugging on the plane. That's an advantage, and that's something you, should, you want to look for probably in, in any of the transportation companies. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. We don't personally endorse one company over another either, uh, basically because we work with our clients to match them with the best options for that the need of that specific trip. But there are three that I tend to go to on my go-to list, and, and they happen to be Quicksilver, Happy Limo, um, Mirrors at times. And there's also a, another company that many corporate folks might be familiar with called Carry International. Um, all four of them are actually really good. They have um, fairly close on prices and, and offer like services. So um, what I would do is just kind of uh, hunt around for the best price and book them. Cool. Next question says, Hey Lou, this time last year I emailed you regarding my Disney store cast member comments on the possible discontinuation of Disney dollars. Though I don't believe anything has been officially stated, they're now near impossible to find. Nobody seems to have Disney dollars anymore. Are they gone for good? Slow to produce? What is going on? I don't want to believe that they're being phased out, but I cannot find them anywhere. Have you heard anything? Can you sniff around and share your findings? Thanks, Maureen Collins, also known as the Chickapin Chick. Maureen, I want you to listen closely. That's the sound of my Disney dollars. I actually just got <laughs> Disney dollars for my uh, <clears throat> 40th birthday in August, and I believe that they were from the Disney store, and they're actually dated 2008 um, on them. So I have to assume that Disney stores, or at least most of the Disney stores, still have them. Maybe just the one by you was out. Uh, but the thing about these, Becky, is that they're so cool to look at, I don't want to spend them. So now oh, I find myself like, well, I have to keep one five and one ten and one one because um, it's got kind of Mickey through the years on them and great artwork on the. Fr- I mean, they're beautiful. I mean, they're yeah. frameable. They're, they're great artwork. And personally, I love the Disney dollars and hope they don't disappear. Um, the last I heard about Disney dollars was they were still available, like you said, from the Disney stores. But as I understand it, they've got very limited stock and they seem to actually be even more limited since the Disney gift cards became the, the preferred gift. So. It, if you were going to check for the Disney store, I would say to call ahead and make sure that they've got some in stock before you, you venture down there. But I completely agree. They, they really are, are nice pieces and wonderful gifts, and I just hope they don't go away. I actually like these to give them to kids. Um, you, you buy a stack of, of Disney dollars as ones, and then you reward your kids. As you're leading up to your trip now, of course, they're very, they're very, very cool. And um, yeah, I mean, I would consider hanging on to some of these just as a collectible or to frame them. So. Oh, yeah. And the other thing, too, is that if you can't find them at your local Disney store, when you the next trip that you do go to Disneyland or Disney World, you can find them really readily available there. Uh, just stock up on a few for gifts for the, the rest of the time, you know, for the rest of the year. Exactly. All right, Becky, I think we have time for, for one more uh, one last email and it says Lou love the show enjoy it every week on the train my ride's only 35 minutes so the longer the more rides I get out of it I like this already had a quick question <laughs> on the resort child care facility are you able to book the Mouseketeer Clubhouse Neverland Club or Sandcastle Club if you're not staying at the resort which they're part of but staying on property at another resort say a moderate or value that comes from James Froelich so maybe is- we should explain first kind of what 
these clubs are, and, and we can talk about where they are around property too. You're the dad. I am the dad. <laughs> I am the dad. And I will tell you that as the overprotective father, especially of my daughter, <laughs> these would probably be the only places that I would really feel safe and secure letting my kids go and play. Throughout a number of the resorts, there are these kids clubs that depending on the age of your child, you can go and they can stay there, obviously being supervised. Many of them have food at different times of the day. And for an hourly fee, they will watch your child. So, for example, at the Dolphin, they have Camp Dolphin. That's $10 an hour per child. That's open um, in the evenings. So if you want to have dinner over at the Dolphin, you can bring your kids there. That's for kids ages 4 to 12. Animal right. Kingdom Lodge has the Bush Camp. Again, that's for ages kids 6 to 14. That's sort of a three-hour camp where they get to go out the savannah and they do food tasting and games. There's also Simba's Cub House. Again, you want to go to Boma. You want to go to Jico, not take your kids. It's $11 an hour per child. Kids have to be 4 to 12, obviously potty chained. They will uh, give them meals. That's actually included in the price. Uh, there's also one at Boardwalk. The Grand Floridian has the Mouseketeer Club. The mm-hmm. Polynesian has the Neverland Club, my favorite just because of the name. Uh, Yacht and <laughs> Beach, they have the Sandcastle Club. Uh, Wilderness Lodge has the Cubs Den, and I think that's it on property. See, that's why I wanted to point it right at you, because as a dad, you would know exactly where all those locations were. But I have to say that the Neverland Club and Simba's Cub House are the two that rate consistently the highest in investing quality and, and that um, they've come back and said that they are the best on property. So you the good news is, and the answer to your question, is that you don't have to be staying at that resort. You can actually make reservations through the regular dining line, which is 407-WDW-DINE, or with some of them, reservations aren't required. However, if you're going out to dinner or you've got plans and you want to use the, the club, then reservations are, are definitely recommended. Yeah, and just, there used to be one at the boardwalk called the Harbor Club. That's closed. Uh, but it's, you can now rent it out like for private birthday parties, things like that. And I think the only one that says you specifically need to be a, a resort guest is the Sandcastle Club over at Yacht and Beach. But again, like you mentioned, Neverland Club, the cool thing is it's not just them kind of being plumped in, in a room somewhere. There's all kinds of themed activities, again, around Peter Pan, why it's my favorite. There's <laughs> video games, there's cartoons, there's toys, there's, like I said, the buffet meal that has pizza and chicken and mac and cheese, hot dogs. Um, snacks, they, they'll serve snacks to the kids, whatnot. Again, the kids just have to be potty trained. But again, if that's, especially like I said, if you're there with your kids and just want to go have a quick or not so quick dinner somewhere at one of the deluxe resorts on property, um, this is definitely a, a wonderful, wonderful option. Right. A lot of people give us the feedback that their kids don't want to leave the club. <laughs> that was my kids on the cruise. My yeah. kids on the cruise did not want to leave the Oceaneers Club. Again, not many complaints from from us as parents because, you know, we had some adult time being able to walk around. But that's why I have that sense of security. And I will tell you, I, I you know, I'm a very overprotective father, uh, especially with my daughter. But I really have that sense that the kids are in a safe environment. Um, you know, the people there are wonderful. The cast members who are work there are wonderful. So um, I'll put a list up on there. But you can also go to Disney's website and find out more or, or, or call any of the resorts either that you're staying at or you're interested in um, leaving your kids at for more information. So, uh, Becky, that is unfortunately all the time we have. <laughs> uh, you know, so much for, for breezing through 10 questions quickly. Um, but I want to thank it, you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
Oh, I was going to say th- thanks for having me again. And I also wanted to say thanks again for the opportunity to sponsor the wildly successful Ultimate Adventure Contest. Um, I, I wanted to share with you that we have started the planning with Kathy and her family, started a little bit of that today. And I can tell you they're going to have a quite a magical time. So stay tuned. Uh, well, you you beat me to the punch because I was going to thank you. I am actually very excited for this part portion of it. Uh, and Kathy doesn't know what she's in for because <laughs> she thinks <laughs> he's excited laugh. now. Yeah, um, <laughs> I can't thank you and and Mouse Fan Travel for supporting and sponsoring that event. This wouldn't have happened without you. Certainly not the grand prize without you. So. Well, I got to tell you that the conversation we had today and the fun we had on the phone just talking about some of the possibilities, this is why I love doing what I do. So thank you for the opportunity and thanks for having me again tonight. Well, thank you. And don't forget, you can visit mousefantravel.com. Again, don't just go for the best possible prices for Walt Disney World, Disneyland, the cruise line, Adventures by Disney, which we're going to talk about soon. But it really is, and this is what separates you, is the incredible personal service that you and your team of agents give to everybody um, you can also like I said check on the forums all the times they're, they're posting discussions or posting discounts things like that so thank you again Becky uh, I will definitely have you on again soon to help me tackle the, the ever growing inbox and so much more <laughs> so thanks again wonderful thank you Thanks again for tuning in this week. That's all the time we have on the show. I really had a great time this week and want to thank Tim Foster and Becky Mankin for their help. I'm still excited for my recent trip to Walt Disney World and was really pumped for this week's show. Speaking of my trip, I want to say a quick happy birthday to Emma. She's Disney Barbie on the forums. Missed you last week from Surrey, England. And Craig, the little six-year-old boy with the custom Mickey ears that I unfortunately missed over at the Haunted Mansion. Sorry I didn't get a chance to meet you, but hope you and your family had a great time. I talked with Tim about Celebrations Magazine. Again, for more information, you can go to celebrationspress.com. Don't forget that you can be a part of it. We're looking for you to submit your photos, your questions, comments, letters, something you want to see covered, anything at all. You can send a letter to me and to Tim at lou at wdwradio.com. Don't forget to come by and visit our show notes page at wdwradio.com. There you'll also find a free preview of the audio guide to Main Street USA on the homepage. You'll also find a link to All-Star Vacation Homes, where they have a special discount. And you get a free rental car and $50 gas card with your seven-night stay in a three-, four-, five-star vacation home. Owner's Locker still has an exclusive offer for us, $50 off the sign-up fee for your own personal storage lockers. And, of course, Mouse Fan Travel for the best prices and exceptional service. Also, go and check out mousefest.org. There you'll find information about the upcoming MouseFest event this December. You'll also be able to register and get the free newsletter. Like I said, I'll be announcing my meets very, very soon. I'm really excited about what's coming up on the show, including some interviews I have planned, some Wayback Machine segments, live updates from the parks, some new segments, and so much more. But remember, I want you to be a part of the show. So send me your emails, your questions, comments, suggestions, anything at all, 
to Lou at WDWRadio.com or call the voicemail, be on the air, 206-202-4WDW, 206-202-4939. Call with comments, questions, just to say hi, call from the parks, and hey, if you have a show suggestion, something that you think you might be the perfect guest for, send me those as well. Never know, maybe I'll have you come on the show and join me. To comment on, talk about the show with other listeners, visit the WDW Radio Show forums over at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. And as always, if you like the show, please help spread the word. Tell others about it. Review us on iTunes. Come friend me up over on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter. You'll find those links on our website at WDWRadio.com. Of course, thank you once again for taking the time, tuning in again this week. I hope you all have a great week. So until next time... See ya. Hey, Lou. Caleb from Columbus. My wife and I were uh, at the gym this past weekend, and we were both listening to your uh, segment on eating around the world at the Food and Wine Festival, and it got us uh, really hungry and sad that we weren't going to be here for that. So uh, after a little bit of consultation, we went ahead and bit the bullet, and we're down here now uh, for this next weekend. We're going to sample the Food and Wine Festival. Uh, we're going to call it our food research trip, uh, so not really a vacation, uh, just like uh, you know, the same thing that you, uh, you say. So, uh, looking forward to trying that all out. We're going to hit the same highlights that you hit. We took a lot of notes, and uh, hopefully uh, be able to report back some uh, other great findings. Hi, Lou. This is uh, Jeremy from California. Um, just wanted to call and let you know I've recently uh, came across your, your podcast, and I've listened to uh, several other Disney podcasts for a while, um, a couple of years, and um, I just want to let you know that basically yours has rocketed to the top, even though I've only heard a few episodes, um, but your way of, of dealing with the Disney topics and going over the news and and like when you're in the parks and all that stuff is just, it's basically, it's just, it's just fantastic. And I just want to let you know that uh, I really appreciate the show. Um, I know a lot of people call in and they say, doing a great job. And that's really an understatement um, because your show just makes me want to be at the parks all the time. Um, especially the last show where uh, you did the, the review on the Epcot Food and Wine Festival. I just just wanted to be there and uh, going around the Epcot with you guys. It was just a lot of fun. Anyways, uh, thanks again for for all the definite uh, hard work you put into the show and, and uh, all of the listeners out there. I know we appreciate it very much. See you later. Bye.